as I said, an opportunity for us, as I said, an opportunity for each other, as a part of life. <laughs> Here you go. Get Saturn and tacos. Are- How y'all doing? <clears throat> we'll see. Um, I always like, I'm like, oh, look, they're excited. That's not good. Uh, True Light Sign Up Kindle. I put a note. So there's a, if you would like to be someone that helps out at True Light, uh, we did a thing last weekend and uh, it was great, except for we, because we haven't been through their training, we could not interact with the kids and that was torture. Like the kids are out there playing and I'm like, hey kids, like I can wave at them, but we couldn't go and interact with them because we haven't done their training. So if you would like to do their training, please, you need to sign up with Kindle. She's got a sign up paper. That's Kindle. Um, And uh, please do that. It's important. All right. All right. So um, uh, last week I did this culture update and I was a little bit worried about it because I used to do them all the time talking about what's going on in the, the current events and politics and uh so I'm, I'm always a little bit nervous because it can turn people off um but what i talk like to talk about is our responsibility as believers what where that falls so a lot of people said hey we really like that so um whether you want to hear about it or not uh if you don't want to hear about it you can cover your ears because we're going to talk about it um what i've seen in this past seven days is uh we're still broken like maybe broken er um whenever uh some thursday night uh the president gave a speech and no matter where you fall on the uh the political spectrum that was not an encouraging speech i mean i don't think even the people that were that on the news uh the media people Look, I'm trying to be real careful, okay? So I don't think the, the people in the media were very supportive of that. Even the, the uh, people that are usually very supportive, I don't even think they were uh, supportive of, of, I mean, they did agree with every single word that he said, but I don't think they were like, yeah, it was a really encouraging and unifying speech. Um, so this, there's, in our culture right now, there's, there's all this confusion. There's gender confusion. There's race confusion. There's political confusion. And it seems like no one can get a grasp on what is actually happening. Um, that it gets, we, as we continue to, to go, um, things that were once labeled as conspiracy theories and you were maybe uh, your posts were blocked or shut down now are proven fact. Uh, this has happened to me. As, as many of you know, I was um, shut. My Facebook was shut down. We didn't have, for a couple of weeks, we didn't have our Facebook. The message wasn't on Facebook because um, they, they shut they shut me down because of things that I was posting that are now factual things that ivermectin things, you know. And now it's like, oh look, the NIH now says that ivermectin isn't acceptable. And I'm like, wait a minute, I was shut down for that. Like I was literally, they shut down my Facebook and now they're saying that it's good. So um, the difference in a conspiracy theory in fact are, is six months. So um, just, just wait. Uh, and not all of them, because there's some of y'all that believe about the lizard people and stuff and I'm not in on that one. Okay, so if you're one of those lizard people, people, then I just keep that to yourself. Uh, there's also a lot of stuff about Elvis going around. Y'all are weirdos. Y'all are weirdos. So um, 
Whenever uh, we get this confusion, uh, the, the Bible talks directly about us. And that's all I want to do is point us back to the Word. In 1 Corinthians 2.14, it says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. This is actually a lot of what our message is about today. Um, but it's so great that we are not natural people, right? If we have Jesus in our hearts, we are supernatural people. And so with that supernaturalness about us, we have a responsibility to discern the truth and to not give into the confusion that is everywhere. It's running rampant. So um, as there's this... Uh, this group in the Bible, the sons of Issachar, it said that they understood the times, they understood the culture that they were in, and they knew what the church should do. You are people that should understand the times that you're in, understand the culture that you live in, and you should know what it is, by the Spirit of the Lord, what it is that we're supposed to do. Um, whenever I talk with Christians, um, I get frustrated because a lot of them are like, well, you know, I just, I don't, I don't really keep up with all that. I don't, I don't watch the news and I don't read the newspaper. I'm like, is it 1950? Who reads the newspaper? Like, uh, so it's, it's not, people say, I don't have time. It's like, okay, well, neither do I. Like, nobody has time. You know, you have the same amount of times as everyone else, right? You're like, oh, but I have kids. Okay, so what, I don't understand why you're saying that. Like, you have excuses like you you have excuses and you have a holy responsibility to not be apathetic about what's going on in culture because you're like oh i just don't want to keep up with that it's just every time i watch the news i feel bad imagine being someone that doesn't have jesus as their hope watching the news like can you imagine like you struggle with having hope after watching the news imagine what someone that doesn't have jesus feels and that's your responsibility you should be able to interpret the times for people that don't have the hope and you have hope that they don't have and you're supposed to share this hope that's why you keep up with the news that's why you keep up with culture that's why you keep up with politics this past week i was like i said something about uh the texas attorney general and they said uh, i said ken paxton and they said who is that and I was like, it was a Christian. And I was like, you should know who that is. Like, and I'm not saying you should know every single politician. I don't know every single politician. I just know the bad ones. <laughs> like, I'm just kidding. I know the good ones too. Obviously, Ken Paxton is the good one. So um, I, there, are, uh, there are things that we're supposed to do as believers. You and I have a responsibility to, uh, to see things for what they are. You can't see things if you don't look. You have to be looking for things. But don't get things twisted. There's a sin problem. The whole, the whole issue is sin. That's it. It's all about sin. It all goes back to sin. And Satan, as he's ruling the land, Satan is powerful, but he's not. He's very limited. In James 4, 7, it says, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Not he might, not possibly if you're really good. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The problem is that people love their sin. People Christians love their sin. People outside of knowing Jesus love their sin. And because they love their sin, they're enslaved to it. They're submitting to it and they're unwilling to submit to God. So that's why they can't resist the devil because they're not submitting to God. And so um, they profess themselves to be wise, but they end up being fools. Whenever you think you... We like to, people like to uh, distort God and turn it into, we like to create God in our own image. And 
this past week, I heard somebody, a politician, say that if you're not for abortion, then you're against what God says. What? That's like when they, when people change the definition of words to fit what they want that word to mean. Or when people say, well, you've been against it all along. Like you've been saying defund the police all along. It wasn't us. It was you. It's like, you know, we have the Internet. Like we can go back and look and see what you said. And it was very clear who said what. So it's over and over. People think they're wise in their own eyes and they distort God to fit into their own ideas. And these are the times we live in, inside and outside of the church. And we're supposed to be people that are responsible and where we are understanding and learning and teaching the truth. Right? 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 All right, good. So let's talk about, we are in the Gospel of John chapter 6. I'm going to go over really quick. We are, look, y'all aren't going to believe this. I'm just going to tell you, but you're not going to believe it. We're going to go from verse 41 to verse 71 today, in one day. Um, this, is, this is the 28th part of the Gospel of John. This is literally chapter 28. Not chapter 28 of John because there's not that many chapters, but we are in part 28, and we are in chapter 6 so Jesus feeds the 5,000. And when he feeds the 5,000, they were, they were out in the wilderness. He feeds the 5,000. They're like, oh, this guy is like, let's crown him king. He is the king. We should, we should crown him king. And so they retreat to, to the, the northeast corner of the Sea of Galilee. And they, uh, they are, Jesus says, hey, guys, tells his disciples, get in the boat, go across to Capernaum, and um, I'm going to dismiss all the people. So he dismisses all the people. They're in the boat. A storm comes. They're rowing. They're struggling. And then Jesus is like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to walk out on the water to them. So he walks out onto the water to them. And uh, then when he steps into the boat, boom, transported, they are at the other side. And then he starts talking about himself as being the bread of life, as being better than manna. Um, and this, he's the bread that continues to, sa- to, to satisfy the spiritual hunger. So, John chapter 6, 41. So, if you would like to, you can follow in the version. If the version Bible app, you can open it, hit the menu, hit events, and you can find our, this message on the, most of the scripture. I mean, all the scripture, most, some of the notes in there on that. So, if you want to follow along. <clears throat> So it says, so the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? When you ask Jesus into your heart, do you remember telling your, some of y'all grew up in church and I wish I could have. Um, but do you remember telling your family now I have Jesus, so things are different. And they were like, nuh-uh. I know you. Like, I know how bad you are. Like, there's no way. You're not different. And then you just have to prove it to them over and over and over. With my family, and my family, like, they love me, I think. And they, like, I had to, like, do it over and over. I'm like, look, I'm not, I don't talk like that. I don't act like that. I don't drink that. I don't, I don't eat that. I don't, I don't do those things anymore. I don't know what I was supposed to be eating. I don't know why I said that. So, uh, um, cheesecake. Uh, so, uh, so I'm like, I, I, I don't, I'm, that's not me anymore. I'm a different person. I am, I've been made new. And they just like, no, no, we know you. We remember you as 17 year old Randy. That's who, 
like in my mind, I'm still 17, but um, like, like we know. And so it was very hard to move forward in their presence. Everybody else just knew me, who I am now. And uh, the, the Jews are looking back and they're like, no, no, no. They begin to murmur. I love that because they're like grumbling amongst themselves. Like, mm, Jesus, yeah, we, are, we know his parents and carpenter, blah, 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 blah. So, uh, <laughs> and these Jews here were not, they were in charge of their area. They weren't like the big head honcho Jews. They were the local Jews. And so that's why they knew like, dang, we know this guy, this kid. This Jesus guy, we know who he is. We saw him grow up. So the, he, he said he was the bread that came out of heaven. And do, but they're like, Jesus isn't any better than us. Like, we're, we're just as good as he is. As a matter of fact, we're better than him because we are sons of Moses. Like, we are the chosen ones. We are the ones that, that uh, are the leaders in the church. So we know. And so Jesus, instead of backing down a little bit and saying, well, guys, look, this is what I meant by that. He actually doubles down. He's like, look, do not grumble amongst yourselves. And there's some versions where it's like Jesus says, shut up. It's like, that's, that's how I read that. Jesus is like, hey, guys, shut up. And he says, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. So Jesus addresses God's divine action on what God is doing. God is drawing people to Jesus. And those who reject Jesus or don't like the idea that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Look, you can believe whatever you want to believe and it does not change truth. Truth is always truth no matter how you feel. Okay, and that goes for if you look at people in society would get that like we would have a better society if they're like, well, you know, I, I don't ever want to hear any of you Christians saying this, the phrase, look, facts don't care about your feelings like you should care about their feelings. Even if their feelings are crazy and out there and wild, you should still care about people's feelings because ultimately your goal is not to prove someone wrong. Your goal is to win them for Christ, to give God glory, right? So that's why you're having these interactions with people that are different from you is so that you can bring God glory. You can win them to Jesus, right? Not to be right because you can be right all day long, but that's not winning people to Jesus just because you're right. So facts are facts no matter how you feel. In Romans one twenty, no one has an excuse to not know God. Uh, in one, uh, Romans one twenty, it says, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Anyone who does not know God has no excuse. They just don't want to believe in God. The way that I know there is a creator is because there is a creation. It's very simple. It's, it's way easier to prove that God is real than God is not real. I just don't have enough faith to believe to be an atheist. I just can't. Like, I, I don't have enough faith. So unless the Father draws a person, they cannot come to Christ. And this is absolutely true. This is, what, this is how I look at that. Jesus has been knocking on your heart's door your entire life. Like he has been trying to draw you. And so if whenever we go do uh, baptisms in the river, I love doing baptisms. If today, if you came in here and you're like, you know what? I'd like to get baptized today. We can go baptize you today in the river. Uh, I didn't bring clothes, but I'll do it in this. Like, 
Oh, Larry's got his clothes. Do you, do you want to be baptized, sir? Is that why you're raising your hand? Okay, good. Oh, no. So I would hold him under longer. Um, so <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So whenever the, so the rivers flow, it's this constant flow. The river doesn't change directions. The river is always flowing, always flowing. So whenever I go out there, sometimes the river's like really strong. And so I have to like put my feet down on these rocks and I'm like, I, I brace myself and I finally get my balance. I'm like, all right, because we, several times, We've almost both been baptized. Like I've dunked the person, I'm like, whoa, and we both fall in. So I have to brace myself. The calling that God has had on your life, every one of us, he has been trying to draw you. And it's been this constant pressure for every one of you. There's been a constant pressure that God is calling and saying, look, trust me, come to me. I want you, come to me, every single person. And what will happen is when you resist God, you start to lose your footing. And you, you resist God and God's like, look, fine. I will let you have your own way. And he lets the things in life knock you off balance. And when those things knock you off balance, you start to hear God. If you don't believe me, think about your worst moment. Think about that that terrible thing that happened to you in the last couple of years. The worst, the lowest moment. I am willing to put money down that your prayer life was stronger in those times. You drew closer to God in those times. And none of us would ever pray, God, please kill one of my family members so that... I can be close to you again. Like, well, some of you have prayed that. Don't pray that, please. When terrible things come, you draw close to God. And so to say that God wants some people to be saved and wants other people to be destroyed, I just, I can't jump through that because God shows no partiality. God is not a respecter of persons. God, God calls all of us, and, and our only responsibility is to accept the gift that he gives us. That's Jesus. Y'all with me? In 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4, it says, This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved. Who? All people to be saved, and to come to the knowledge of truth. So, verse 46, Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. You don't really see this if you just read through our section of scripture today, what Jesus is saying here. So he was talking about the manna being the bread. And then, and he's like, well, they say, well, Moses gave us manna. And what are you going to do for us? He had just fed them 5,000. He just fed all these people from five loaves and two fish. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool and everything. But Moses gave us bread from heaven. Like Moses, the thing Moses did was so much better. And he's like, okay, first of all, Moses didn't do that. God did that. My father did that. And, and then now he's actually pointing to another passage when he's like, look, no one has seen the father except he who is from God. And that's me. God, uh, he, although the one who is from God has seen the father. So Moses, this other section of scripture that they would have immediately recognized that Moses wanted to see God's face. And God said, no, anybody, any man who sees my face will certainly die. And Jesus has seen the Father. He's like, I have been with the Father. He's like, you, you're talking about how, how, how Moses is the man. He's like, Moses ain't nobody. Like, I have been with the Father. I, I and the Father am one. And, and Jesus has seen the Father, the Father because he is from God. And if these Jews wanted to know the truth, they would have put down their guard and stopped being so like full of themselves. And they would have just trusted Jesus, knowing that he, he is the true way. 
So in 47 to 51, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. Not because of that, but they still died. Uh, This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Now, it's going to get a little weird, okay? If you've read this and you know this section of scripture, it gets a little weird. And you're like, what? Like, eat flesh? Drink blood? What is he talking about? And the vampires are like, yeah. Like, it's weird. It's just so weird. So, the, the, the there's no vampires in there. Right? It's super weird. It's like twilight now all of a sudden. The contrast between Jesus and the manna is made clear. The manna could, could sustain life. The manna was fulfilling. The manna would, would meet a physical hunger. But the curse of sin, the sin would still bring death. And so Jesus is the bread from heaven that overcomes the curse of sin and overcomes death and brings eternal life. And so Jesus is referring to his coming sacrifice and his sin on the cross. It's obvious for us because we know the whole story. And he's going to give his flesh for the life of the world. The Jews did not understand this because it was spiritual nature and they were resisting God. If you, if you will not resist God, he will reveal so much to you. So in verse 52, it says, The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? That's weird. And so again, they went from grumbling to now arguing. Now they're like, well, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Look, Jesus did this great thing where he would attack their theology because they knew everything like they had it all together. They did not need any current interaction with God because they already had it all figured out. And so he would say wild, crazy things like this to attack their theology. And it says, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living father sent me and I live because of the father. So whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. You see how he's like beating it into their head. He's like, yeah, that. It's weird, right? Listen here. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread the fathers ate, manna, and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And of course, they take it literally. They're like, that's gross, bro. Like, what are you talking about? We can't do that. And this is the whole thing. This is what he's doing. He's, he's going after. This would be against Levitical law. You can't eat flesh. It's against Levitical law. And so, but they should, as soon as he started talking about blood, they should have immediately gone to the Passover and understood that the blood is what saves us. The blood is what is the, the him sacrificing his body as the bread the, and his blood is what saves us. It covers our sins. But God resists the proud and arrogant and he gives grace to the humble. And so, If you are, I really want to just ask you, how is it that you read the Bible when you read the Bible? Are you reading the Bible and holding on to your theology with loose hands or do you already have it all figured out? Like, are you already, the thing that you feel like you know the very best. There, I was, I told this story in first service, but I would preach on the prodigal son. It's, It's something that like I so, I've seen myself as every character in the story. 
And so whenever I was a youth pastor, I would talk about the prodigal son over and over because it's a very easy story for them to plug into. And so I would talk about this over and over. And then one time I said, all right, today, guys, we're going to talk about the prodigal son. And one smart little kid was like, again? And I'm like, oh, you know this story so well, huh? Well, come on up here and preach it then. And so he's like, all right. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> you don't expect him to actually respond. So I hand him the mic and he's like, all right. So and he goes through verse by verse by verse nailed it like every word of the and he he did know this story like he knew it very very well the thing that you feel like you've got down the very best in the bible the th- the truth that you know for sure for sure for sure you haven't even scratched the surface like it is so much deeper than you already know and you could have been studying this thing for your whole life it's so much better than you think it is. And you may think it's the best thing ever. It's so much better than that. What attitude do you think you need to have when you're studying your Bible? What are the things that you know? The things that you know very, very well are the things, especially, that when you're reading, you need to say, God, speak to that thing. Because the Word of God will speak to you wherever you are right now today because it is living and active. It will cut deep. And if you will allow him to speak to you as you're reading the words that you read on the page today, if I were to, t- to use these same scriptures next week, the message would be completely different. Like uh, we, could, we could preach about just from the sec- this same section. We could pick any section and do it week after week after week after week. And we would never for all eternity run out of things to learn. Because the, the, the word is alive and active. And this week, we went through different things. And God will speak to us through that word this week differently than we did before. So the, being in a spot where you've learned it and you got it and you have a grasp on it is a dangerous place sometimes. Because then God can't speak to you in that because you've already learned that one. Um, and that's actually where the Jews were. They've already learned it. You will never graduate from the gospel the gospel is what it's all about. And for us, Life Church, this is a core value of us, of our church, that we're always going to be about the gospel. Some of you are just too smart and you know too much. And you're just, your intelligence is in the way. Fortunately, not me. Like, I'm just not smart enough. Like, and I'll tell you straight up, I'm just not smart enough. Um, you know, uh, you know where Jesus was, um, when, when Jesus was saying these things, um, and he's like attacking Moses and he's not attacking Moses, but he's like challenging their, their view of Moses because they all were like, well, Moses is our father. It's like Abraham's our father. It's like, you know, he was saying all this stuff. It was, if you go to the next verse, Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. He wasn't outside in the park. He was in the church saying, y'all see, y'all think y'all got it all down. And the only way for you to, to enter into the kingdom is if you eat my flesh and drink my blood. It's like, that is wild. And so then Jesus goes from talking to the, the Jews and, and, um, and really sh- shaking them up to now he's going to turn to his disciples. And, and whenever he says his disciples, these people had all just been part of this big group. And they were, they were, being, uh, they were saying that they were going to follow Jesus no matter what. All of these people. So we're going to follow Jesus all the way to the end. And, and so they claim to be followers of Jesus. Y'all know people like that, right? Y'all know people like that? They claim to be followers of Jesus? You should. I mean, I hope you're one of them. I'm a little uncomfortable right now. Y'all know people that claim to be followers of Jesus, right? 
Y'all know people that claim to be followers of Jesus, but aren't really? Yeah, I think we probably all do. Um, and be careful because you're like, yeah, I know them. <laughs> They're here with me. Uh, or, you know, I, I know those people. You know who has it all down is like nailing the Christian walk, right? No one. No one. You're not nailing it. Like, you can look around and, and see people that are doing it better than you or people that you think are doing it better than you, but you don't know their struggles. And, and they don't know yours. And you can look around and see people that, that you're like, at least I'm not that. Like a lot of you are like, Randy, at least I'm not that. Like, uh, there, was, there was a lot of these disciples, and they were having a real hard time with what Jesus was talking about. And it says, when many of his disciples heard, heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling, they're, they're grumbling again. Oh, this Jesus guy. And they said to him, do you, and he said to them, uh, do you take offense at this? It's true that this is a difficult teaching. It is. It's very hard to say. Um, they were offended. But you know what they were offended at wasn't that uh, he was going to die a bloody death. They weren't offended that Jesus was saying he's the only way. They weren't offended that Jesus said he came down from heaven. What they were offended at is he was attacking their theology. He was attacking the things that they already knew. And they were like, this is the way. This is the only way. We already have a, a grasp of this. We already know this. And so he's attacking that. And when he attacks that, then they're like, well, wait a minute. This is hard. Like, we can't, we can't do this. And it goes on. Then uh, it says, then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? Jesus going back to heaven. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. Here he is talking about, he's basically saying, it's me who gives life. The manna does nothing at all. The materialistic things do nothing at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. There are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. And he explains it that in the future, your thoughts of eating flesh and drinking blood will not be materialistic. We're going to do communion at the end of the message today. And it's not a materialistic thing. There's this thing in the Roman Catholic Church where it's called transubstantiation. And they think, spell that. Yeah. So every time I say a word, I'm like, wow, oh, I actually said it right. I'm like, God, can I spell it though? No. And transubstantiation is, they actually believe that whenever you, you take, you partake the, the bread, that it turns to the flesh of Jesus. That's weird, right? Is that weird or no? It's just me that thinks that. So that's not what happens. This is a, this is a spiritual thing. So it's, Jesus said, come and do this, and you do this in remembrance of me. He's telling you, this, the, the eating the flesh and the drinking the blood, this is a symbolic spiritual thing that you and I are becoming one. And they understand that in the spiritual, in the future, you'll understand that in the spiritual aspect. And so they focus on the spirit that brings life. And 666 says, after this, I don't, I look, I don't know, I don't make these things up. Some of the, some of the chapters are long. In John 6, verse 66, see how I break it up. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Fitting. So there are people that were following Jesus. We'll follow you anywhere. Well, not the flesh and blood thing. Not that. I'm like, that's weird. Um, and I can tell you 
that you may have this concept of your faith and how strong it is. You may have this concept of, I'll follow Jesus anywhere. I will do anything he calls me to. But you don't actually know how big your faith is until it gets tested. And then you know. Like, then you know. You think, like, you think you, like, I'm going to stand with him no matter what. And then something really hard happens, and you're like, well, maybe not no matter what. Like, why would God allow this thing to happen to me? It's not until it's tested that even you know where you stand. And fortunately, like, you know, everybody's about him whenever he's doing the miracles and everything's good and everything's right. Like, everybody has followed Jesus to get the, the free food. Like, I know how y'all are. Y'all love the free food. Like, and everybody's about Jesus then. But when the, rains, the rain comes and there's storms in life, then it gets really difficult. And then you're like, well, maybe I'm not as strong. It's okay. It's okay because he already knew. So run to him. Where you find your weak, run to him. He is not the angry dad with the arms folded and saying, "Mm -mm. you should not have done that last week. I am mad at you. That is not how God interacts. God is already in the time where you're going to sin. He knows that you're going to do that. And he's not angry with you for it. He's angry at the sin. He's you don't have to submit. If you have Jesus in your heart, you don't have to submit to sin anymore. Those chains are gone. You are free to live the way he's called you to. You should desire to live the way he's called you to. You don't have to go back to sin anymore, ever again. You probably will, because you're a knucklehead, like we all are. We go back to the sin, and then we, but we know where that leads us. So um, what they really wanted was a God that was made in their own image. Um, what they really wanted was not someone who was actually God in the human flesh that would require this intimate allegiance that is like you're consuming his flesh and blood, but um, they couldn't handle it. They couldn't handle that kind of intimacy. And really, if you think about you, think about how you've interacted with God, where you 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 push back just a little because you're not sure about that intimacy. Because if he really knew... If he really knew you in the depth of your being, he wouldn't want you. And it's just not true. That's a lie that Satan planted in your heart. That if he knew how bad I was this past week, he would not want me to go to church. No. He knows how bad you are. As a matter of fact, he knows how bad you're going to be next week. And he still wants you to go. He still wants you to connect with other believers. That's one of the big things about life groups. Shameless commercial here. One of the big things about life groups is it's not the content. We talk, we're going to talk about in our life groups this week, we're going to talk about the message. Every week we're going to talk about the message. But it's the connections that you're making with your brothers and sisters so that when you struggle, you have someone you can call or text and say, hey, I'm struggling here. Can you, can you help me? And it, and it can be as intimate or as, as vague as you want it to be. No one's going to force you into deep relationships, but you are going to want that. And that's what our groups are about. It's real discipleship for the real world. So finishing up the chapter, it says, so Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go? Do you want to go away as well? I love this so much. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered him, did I not choose you, the 12? And yet one of you is a devil. Judas. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray them. I love when he says, yeah, but to where would we go? Like, you've been around Jesus. You know, it's like, I think, I always think of the Matrix 
in that movie. You know where he's he's like they're telling him about like, hey, look, wake up, you know. And then and then he's he he gets out. He's like, no, I can't handle this. this is weird. Let me get out of here. So he opens the door and he can see down the road. And she's like, you know, she grabs his arm. You know where that road leads, and you can go that way or you can come with me and just see how deep the rabbit hole goes. Like the the truth, you can either continue in your sin, but you know where that road leads. You know that that leads to brokenness, that leads to heartache, that leads to pain for not just for you, but for the people around you. And you know where that road leads. And you can do that or to whom would we go, Lord? Like we know that you are the only answer. You are the only hope that we have. So you know where all the other roads lead in your life. So run at Jesus. You know that there's only one way to life, church. You know there's only one way to life, and, and it's Jesus. He's the only one that has the real answer. So what is your response? You come up. Uh, he is the bread of life. Is he your sustenance? Is he what you, who you are uh, running to for the answers in life? And maybe it's too hard to accept for you that he's the only way. Um, you can fool me, but the proof's in your life. The proof is in the way that you actually live it out. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much uh, for your grace and for your love and for your kindness. We thank you uh, that you are the one that, that sustains us. Where we have grabbed a hold of the reins of our life, where we are trying to rule, where we are trying to dictate the direction, uh, we just submit that to you right now. Because we know that the ways that you have for us to live are far better than the ways that we have. The answers that you have for life are better than the answers that we have. And we thank you and we love you in Jesus' name.